you know, my friends, I have to say, it's a little depressing for me being up here in an empty church on one of my favorite Sundays of the year. Uh, that uh, it's Divine Mercy Sunday, of course. And, uh, well, in God's divine providence, this is perfectly timed, and it is his will that this church is almost completely empty. Perhaps the Lord just desires to uh, cleanse out the internet with his mercy by having you all watch this at home. I don't know, but his timing is uh, perfect because this Sunday gets to the heart of Easter. It gets to the heart of the message of Easter, and that is mercy. But what is mercy? You know, I love the uh, Latin word for mercy, misericordia. It is a combination of two words. The word uh, miserea, which means misery, and the word cor, which means heart. The Lord literally desires to rip apart our misery and place his divine heart in its center. He desires to, well, mercy is where our misery meets God's heart and is overcome by it. You know, wonderful saint, Saint Maria Faustina, received private revelation from our Lord himself, and she wrote extensively on God's mercy in her diary. She says, the greatest attribute of God is love and mercy. For mercy unites the creature with the creator. So beautiful. Divine mercy is God's refusal. God's refusal to leave us in our fallen condition. God became flesh and dwelt among us in order to enter into our brokenness, enter into our hot mess. Christmas we celebrate so long ago, it seems, where God came into our world so that he could experience Good Friday for you and me, so that he could take on our suffering, take on our sin, and nail it to the cross so that he can conquer it on Easter morning, so he could ascend into heaven, not to leave us alone, but to ascend into the sacraments so that you and I could have peace and joy and true intimacy with him. He and the Father on Pentecost sent their spirit on that first Pentecost. That same spirit continues to guide the church and please God guides each of us in our personal prayer. Jesus enters into the locked doors of our hearts and he banishes this worldly fear. He desires to recreate us in grace as he forgives us our sin. Mercy is when our misery meets God's heart and is overcome by it. You know, we proclaim the same gospel on this Sunday every year. Last Sunday on Easter, of course, we meditated on the disposition of Mary Magdalene's heart and mind that first Easter morning when she came to Jesus' tomb while it was still dark. Today, one week later, we meditate on the disposition of the hearts and minds of the other disciples, his first priests, later that same day, in the evening, again, when it was dark. The dark symbolizes the absence of Christ, the absence of Christ who is light, the darkness, a symbol of their hopelessness, a symbol of their fear, 
the doors were locked. Imagine this incredible scene. I love to imagine this in my own personal prayer. They were meeting behind locked doors. Every last one of them was terrified. Terrified, afraid to perhaps even make a sound. Every step on the stairs outside, every knock on the door sent fear through their bones. Would I be next? Would we be next? It is into this fear, into this dis disposition of their hearts and minds that Jesus came to bring peace. Three times he says, peace be with you. Mercy, where misery meets God's heart and is overcome by it. It is important, my friends, to remind ourselves that Jesus is fulfilling his promise. Fulfilling a promise he made to us at the Last Supper, some of his final words before he endured his passion and death. He taught his disciples that they would, that we would weep and mourn that they would be in anguish when he left. He told them and he tells us, spiritual journeys are not easy. They are not without suffering, Peter tells us in the second reading. He reminds us of this. And, well, this is truth of the reality of our spiritual, our, our spiritual paths. Our lives will have difficulties. We will at times weep and mourn. We will have anguish. This is so obvious to us these days of the pandemic. But he also assured them that he would come back, that we'd see him again. Today's gospel, today's beautiful solemnity is a fulfillment of that promise. For it says that Jesus came and stood in their midst. He comes and is in our midst. It's more difficult perhaps for us to imagine this grace because we are not physically together, but I promise you, the Lord is here and the Lord is with you as well during this pandemic mercy, where our misery meets God's heart and is overcome by it. Yet sometimes, well, if you're anything like me anyhow, we have difficulty experiencing mercy and we aren't always at peace. Perhaps like Thomas, we can even doubt God's mercy. We can wonder at times if God is even merciful at all. We, turn, we look around this world and we see so much suffering. Perhaps also like Thomas, we require proof, proof of God's mercy. Where was Thomas? Where was he? Well, we're not quite sure. All we know that he wasn't with the other apostles. We know that he doubted and we know that he demanded proof to their claims. My friends, he was not with the others. This is not good. This is not good. He should have been in community. We are called to community, and perhaps community is harder these days. Surely it is, but there is some forced community uh, that we are forced to be together, perhaps in the smallest unit of the church, and the Lord is working in our families these days, you can be assured. This gospel message is echoed in the first reading from Acts. All who believed were together, were called to be together. Mercy is found in community. Mercy is found in the church. The church is, as Pope Francis says, the principal instrument of God's mercy. For in it we share each other's misery 
and we are comforted. You know, Thomas wasn't with the others, and he doubted. But doubt is not the enemy of faith. Disengagement is the enemy of faith. God can and he does use our doubts to bring about a greater good, to bring about his mercy, to bring us closer to him when we let him. He brought about an incredible grace, a greater grace in Thomas's doubt. He exclaimed, it's the climax, really, of John's gospel, my Lord and my God. But like Thomas, our doubts can also cause us to demand God prove himself. You know, full disclosure, I am a St. Thomas apologist. I defend him at every corner, perhaps because I um, maybe would have handled the crucifixion in a similar way. I would not have been at the cross. I am sure of that. I am almost certain that afterwards I would, would have retreated to be alone. I would have needed to be alone to process this turn of events, this process, the reality that the one I thought was the Savior, the Messiah, was crucified. And I would certainly hesitate to be vulnerable Again, I have a lot of Thomas in me. Perhaps you too have Thomas in you. You know, I like to think that there's also a little courage that Thomas perhaps had as well. Could it be that he just simply refused to be afraid? He was ashamed of himself, that he had not been on the cross, and he refused in this moment to not be locked behind uh, closed doors. He refused to hide behind these locked doors. Perhaps Thomas demanded proof because the other disciples seemed to be so unchanged by their encounter with the risen Lord. After all, it was they that were hiding behind the locked doors. There seemed to be so little evidence of their belief being transformative. Perhaps this is why he demanded to see Christ's wounds. He needed to touch the proof of his mercy. Or maybe he was simply weak, simply weak and lacked faith. Regardless, my friends, we know that his doubts, his demand for proof, help us, help us to better understand God's incredible patience with us. We have a very patient God. Thomas's doubt was recorded, perhaps to help us correct our own doubts and demands. Mercy where misery meets God's heart and is overcome by it. My friends, I think this is the perfect gospel for Divine Mercy Sunday because it gives us the institution of the sacrament of penance. This sacrament is totally rooted in scripture. It is totally rooted in the tradition. The church has always, from the very beginning, practice this beautiful sacrament, confession, a source of God's mercy, the sacrament of mercy, the room in which we encounter the God of love and mercy. The gospel reminds us that Jesus breathed on his first priests and he gave them his power. He can do this. He gave priests his power to forgive sins and he gave them the Holy Spirit receive the Holy Spirit, he said to his first priest, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. 
it would be such a uh, horrible thing for God to do uh, to have given that to these first priests and then to take it away. This incredible grace, of course, this grace remains. Jesus said to St. Faustina, souls that make an appeal to my mercy delight me. To such souls I grant even more graces than they ask. Or oh, what pain, he says, they cause me when they do not accept them, referring to these graces. Tell souls not to place within their own hearts obstacles to my mercy, which so greatly wants to act within them. My mercy works in all those hearts which open their doors to it. Both the sinner and the righteous person have need of my mercy. Conversion, as well as perseverance, is a grace of my mercy. You know, Pope St. John Paul II, he called the sacrament of penance, he called it the sacrament of discernment. For it is there, he said, it's there where we discern where we are and where we ought to be. We discern that we are sinners, that we are sinners and we are in need of redemption. Then we experience God's mercy when we place his heart at the center of our misery in the confessional mercy, where our misery meets God's heart and is overcome by it. Jesus also said to St. Maria Faustina, when you approach the confessional, know this, that I myself am waiting there for you. I am only hidden by the priest, but I myself act in your soul. Here the misery of the soul meets the God of mercy. Tell souls, he said to her, that from this fount of mercy, souls draw graces solely with the vessel of trust. If their trust is great, there is no limit to my generosity. This is why I hand out those litany of trust in the confessional from the Sisters of Life. The torrents, he said, of grace inundate humble souls. The proud remain always in poverty and misery because my grace turns away from them to humble souls. Mercy, where our misery meets God's heart and is overcome by it. My friends, I encourage you all to turn to the God of mercy and make the sacrament of penance to make confession a regular practice, perhaps once a month or more often perhaps when necessary, but I know what some of you are thinking. Father, my sin is big and I have not been to the confessional in a long time. My friends, the scriptures are filled with sinners. Moses, a murderer. King David, not just a murderer, but also an adulterer. St. Paul, a murderer and a persecutor of the early church. St. Peter, a denier of Christ, his best friend, three times right to his face, the list is long, my friends. I don't care what you may have done. God doesn't love you, he doesn't love me, because we are good. He loves us because he is good. The only unpardonable sin is one that is not confessed, one that is not brought before the cross and placed at the foot of Christ 
in the confessional. And the grace we receive in confessing our sin is tremendous. Infinite grace poured forth upon us. There are tremendous graces available to us also, especially on this day, this Divine Mercy Sunday. Jesus said to St. Maria Fassini, says to us, on that day, on this day, the very depths of my tender mercy are open. I pour out a whole ocean of graces upon those souls who approach the fount of my mercy. On that day, all the divine floodgates through which grace flow are opened. Let no soul fear to draw near to me, even though its sins be as scarlet. My friends, we are urged on this Divine Mercy Sunday to pray the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. It's on our uh, YouTube channel. Uh, go and check it out and pray it often. We're also uh, encouraged to meditate on the image of Divine Mercy where the Lord gave Maria Faustina these beautiful words, eternal God in whom mercy is endless, and the treasury of compassion inexhaustible. Look kindly upon us and increase your mercy in us, that in difficult moments we might not despair nor become despondent, but with great confidence submit ourselves to your holy will, which is love and mercy itself. My friends, the gospel said now a week later his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. A week later, a week after Easter, today, right now. The Lord is calling us today. He's calling us now. Even those of us with doubts and demands to put our finger here, to put our finger here, to put our hand in a side, to not be unbelieving, but believe. I pray we will all open our hearts and minds widely to the incredible grace of this day, the incredible grace of every day, to always open our hearts to it. And that will be that instrument of that same grace to another and allow our, allow their misery to meet God's heart and be overcome by it. Let mercy lead us to peace, and may God be praised. Amen.